Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be reading the first 14 verses of the first chapter. So if you brought a Bible with you, if you turn there, if not, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Or if you want to simply sit and listen to the Word of God as it's read. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purchased in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, things on the earth, in him. Also, We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who has given us as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Would you pray with me? In those 14 verses, Father, you have just laid out what you have lavished on us. And it's beyond our comprehension to really understand all of those things. The forgiveness of sins we recognize now. We have that peace in our hearts and that joy and that sense of relief that we know we're not going to have to spend eternity in hell paying for those sins. But to recognize that one day we're going to be standing in front of you holy and righteous the way Jesus is. To have a brand new body like yours, to have a knowledge of you the way you know us now, to be perfect, to have eternity, to sing praises to you, to enjoy fellowship with one another. It's beyond what we can even imagine, but it's true and it's promised to us. And we have a guarantee of that as we sense your spirit living in us, that promise, that 
promissory note, as it were, that one day you're going to finish the job of salvation. You're going to take us to yourself. We thank you for that spirit living in us now, taking your word, taking these songs and making them alive to us, leading us, guiding us, empowering us to live for Jesus, all the things that he is to us. We pray right now that as Steve comes up, you'd help him remember all the things that you've shared with him this week that you want us to have. And again, that the Holy Spirit would just take that and make it alive to us and help us recognize all that we have in you lavished on us in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Hope Bible Church. Glad you could be with us today. It really is a blessing to be able to attend a church service that loves the Lord, that teaches the Word of God. There's so many people, not just in this country, but all over the world, that just don't go to church or don't go to a good church. And it is so, so important. It's essential. It says in the Bible, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves with one another. Don't do that. We need these times where we can worship where God can hear us. He can hear our voices, of course. He can also hear our hearts. This time where we can hear the Word of God, I mean, that's an amazing thing, that we have God's Word, and He wants us to understand it. And it relates to our lives. And then, of course, we can have fellowship. We sang that song, 1 John 4, 7, 8. We can love one another, and that should be one of our prime objectives as we have our times of fellowship here on these Sunday mornings. So it's good to see you. Glad that you're here We've been talking about Christ's suffering, death, resurrection, talking about his glory. And Jesus Christ is central to your life, much more than you could ever realize, Steve. As he was just sharing there, just mentioned the importance of those truths there just in Ephesians 1 alone. It's loaded, one of the most loaded sections of truth in, in the Bible that talks about what God through Christ has given us. Here are a few verses about Christ. Ephesians 2.20, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Colossians 1.17 says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ. So Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the one who physically and spiritually holds all things together. That means you and everything else in this world. And he then is your life. Without him, you have no spiritual life. You'd be empty. You'd be worthless. And to be a secure, successful Christian, to have a close relationship with God, to know his love and joy and peace and to truly grow, then you need to know who Christ is. You need to know what he has done for you. You need to know the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. That last verse, to live as Christ, is, isn't just referring to this life. Our, our, our lives so much are thinking about this life. It's referring to all eternity. We have 70, 80, 90 years here in general, and then we're gone. But then with the Lord forever and ever, and to live now and forever is Christ. Jesus is a key. The only way you can live the Christian life. That you can be and do all that God has for you. Primary focus of the New Testament, of course, is Jesus Christ. You have the Gospels, they talk about his life, but it's the epistles 
that talk more about who he is and specifically how then he relates to you, and particularly then how you can be sanctified, how you can grow and be the person that God wants. I was, gave the message on last Sunday, the, the Easter message, and I really felt we need to talk more about Christ. So this message, the next two, the focus is on Christ and who he is and what he has done for you and how then that should affect, affect you. Here's a few more verses on Christ. Colossians 2.11, In Christ you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Romans 6.6, 6, Our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new cre- creature. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. Now, these two phrases, and we're going to focus on this a little bit, the body of flesh, the old self, are both referring to the same thing, are both referring to your sinful, fallen nature, a nature that completely dominated your life before you were saved. You sinned before you were saved because you had this sinful, fallen nature, and you couldn't do anything but sin. That's, that's the truth. But we read that your old self was crucified. We read that this body of flesh was was, was circumcised. And so your sinful nature then is gone. That's what the Bible tells us. It's gone. It's no longer operable in you. Romans 6, turn there in your Bible if you have one or just listen along. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And what I just said about this sinful nature, there's a lot in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles about this. And we want to look at some of these verses today. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In a way that you can't really understand, spiritually speaking, you shared in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's what these verses are saying right here. And that's a great work of Christ. Again, we can't understand this, but it's a divine work of God, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that was applied to your life at the moment you were saved, the moment you were born again, that this happened. That's what we're saying here. And so your old self was crucified, your body of flesh was circumcised, and so then you were given a new life, a new spiritual life, and you're a new creature in Christ. That's what God wants you to understand. You are a new creature, no matter how you feel. And I've I've stressed this a lot. It's not a matter of feelings, this Christian life. It's a matter of faith, trusting in the Lord. So out with the old, in with the new. You're not an unbeliever. If you're in Christ, you're a believer. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're not a child of the devil. You're a child of God. This is critically important to understand. We live in this world that there's so much about identity politics, your color of your skin or your gender. You know this stuff. I, I just get tired of it. This is what's important. This is what everybody needs to know. Are you a saint? Are you a sinner? Are you a believer? Or are you an unbeliever? Are you a child of God or the child of the devil? That's what's important. They stress all these other things that are just ridiculous. Makes you sick. This is why we were here. So you were reminded as Christians who we are and what God through Christ and the Holy Spirit has done for us. And so now you can share. You can participate in the life of Christ. You share it in Christ's death, and now you can share it in his life. I like what First Peter, Second Peter 1 says. He has granted to us his 
precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That last phrase is phenomenal. You can, as a Christian, become a partaker of the divine nature of God, of Christ, of the Holy Spirit. You can have life through Christ and you can live for Christ. You can live now like a child of God and not like a child of the devil. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, God made you alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Again, truth that's hard to comprehend. We're here on earth. We're in these bodies. But this is the truth. This is what's happened to you. You've been raised up with Christ. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. And so you're now alive with Christ. Some translations say alive in Christ. And so you're not spiritually dead. You're spiritually alive because of what God has done for you. Again, you need to think this way. You get up this morning. Do you feel spiritually alive? When you get to be my age, you're sort of rusty and stiff and your mind's a little groggy. And You know what I mean. You all know what I mean. We don't feel like it. Most of the time we don't. But the fact is, the truth is, as a believer, you are spiritually alive in Christ. But then you say, if my old self was crucified, why do I still sin? I want you to turn to Romans chapter 7. I want to read a number of verses. 14 to 25. Romans 7, 14 to 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I, I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. For if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Important verse. I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want I do not do, but I practice the very thing, evil that I do not want. But I'm, if I'm doing the very thing I do not, do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God and the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Critically important verses for us as Christians to understand. Some people, the, some people will suggest that these verses are describing Paul as an unbeliever, but that's not true. Unbelievers don't talk like that. They don't say those things. They don't have that struggle with sin. They don't. Maybe a little bit, but not as we do as Christians. And so what's this saying? Paul here is talking as one who is saved. He is admitting that he is one who sins. He says he does not want to sin. He is doing then what he does not want to do. So how does he explain this? He says there, and I believe these are key words, he says that he is of flesh. He also says that sin still dwells in him. And so what does this mean? What does this mean? The fact that he says he is of flesh, that sin still dwells in him, does not mean that the old self wasn't crucified, that the body of flesh wasn't circumcised. It doesn't mean that. This is what he's saying. This is where people debate and what is all. It can be 
confusing, but this is how I understand. What Paul is saying is that he has a new inner spirit, and this new inner spirit resides in this unredeemed humanness, which still has certain weaknesses and, and desires to sin. And Paul is not saying that he is in the flesh, but that the flesh is still in him, that he is still of flesh. That's how I understand it. Your new birth in Christ and deeds brings death to the sinful old self, but does not bring death to the temporal flesh and its desires still to sin. You get saved. You receive this new divine nature. You're a new creature in Christ. But you don't experience all the blessings, all the aspects of this new divine nature. Until then, you are glorified. Until then, you are fully saved, which will not happen until the future. That's what I understand is taking place. Romans 7, 17. Go back to that verse. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Paul is saying that he that is new inner spirit is not sinning. But he's saying that sin that dwells in him, this unredeemed humanness, is sinning. That's what he is saying. Now, of course, we understand this doesn't mean, and this is what he's talking about in Romans 6 or the first few verses, this doesn't mean, well, hey, it's not me, so I can just go on sinning because it's not me. Do whatever I want. Some people were thinking that. Well, if that's the truth, then hey, it's not me. It's just that sin. I'm just going to sin whatever I want and excuse myself that way. But you can't do that. You can't do that. The, the whole point and the thrust of the epistles is that you're a new creature in Christ and God has given you his spirit so that you can then live in the way that God wants you to live. You can live like a child of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He says, do not go on living as if you were still that old man because the old man has died. Do not go on living as if he was still alive. Now, we talk about sin and sinning. There's three kinds of people, okay? Three kinds. First, there's the person who's not saved. And he's always sinning, okay? We all know people in this world. You know people who are unbelievers and they're not saved. They're sinning, okay? And he goes through life and he doesn't get saved while he's on this earth. Then he dies and he goes to hell. And he keeps on sinning forever and ever and ever. That's the first person, okay? That's a very, very sad sad thing, but that's the truth. Secondly, there's the Christian. There's you. If you're in Christ, you were a sinner, and you got saved. Then we got saved, became that new creature in Christ. And so now then you're living a holy life, but not all the time, right? You want to live a holy life. Some days are better than others. Sometimes they're better than others. You live a holy life, but not all the time. You still struggle with this sin that Paul talked about. Third kind of person is the person who is in heaven. He's already there. You, I assume all of you know people that have died and gone to be with the Lord. People in heaven, they don't sin. And they'll never sin. That's the glory. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things to think about the hope you have. At this point, no struggles. You'll always do what's right. Always love God. Always love people. There's no sin. In heaven, then, you're perfected and you'll be glorified. And it's a wonderful time. And you'll be living then in the way that God planned for you to live. Because God had in this mind, you know, it says in, in Ephesians 1, 4, He chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He had this picture of you, this desire, this design, this plan, so that in all eternity you'll be perfect. Brother and sister of Jesus Christ, that's what's going to take place. For us as Christians, at this time... You're here. We're still on this earth. We're not glorified yet. We're not in heaven yet. That's obvious. We're in the second category. 
Sometimes we do what is right, and sometimes we do what is wrong. As you all know, living the Christian life isn't easy. It's not a piece of cake. You wish like a wish it was. I think Steve mentioned it before. So every day there's these, these struggles. Every day. Unless you're completely asleep as a Christian and you're completely unaware of what's going on. That's not a good thing to be. Because if you're doing what's right as a Christian and you are spiritually alive and you understand these truths I'm talking about, then you will struggle and you will find that every day of the week is a struggle. There's that temptation, that desire to do wrong. There's that time when you do sin, you feel bad. And then that song that we sang, 1 John chapter 1, you confess your sin. You go through that. That's normal. That's why we have those verses there. Because life then can, can be very, very difficult. Galatians 5, 16 says the same thing. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit. That happens now. This is present tense. And the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do that, that which you please. That happens, right? Don't you feel that in your life during the course of, of, of the week, the course of your life? There's this opposition. It's the flesh. What does Romans 7, 24 say? Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit then are the ones who set you free and then giving you the victory. And now I want you to live victoriously as a Christian during this life here. Colossians 3, 12 to 13, it says, it says, As those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. Three key words there, three phrases that, that are foundational. As those who have been chosen of God, holy is the second one, and dearly loved. That's basis, foundational then for you then to put on Humility and gentleness and kindness and patience and all those things. And so positionally, you're a new creature in Christ. And practically, you're to live out this new life that God has given you every day. Every day. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're to say no to sin and yes to God. That that's, that's what happens. You're going through life and oh, you're tempted. No. <laughs> and yes to God. That's, that's what he wants you to learn to do, and then God will give you the victory. Psalm 23, 6 really is applicable. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You need God's goodness. You need his mercy every day of your life. Surely goodness and mercy every day. You can't take a day off with God and Christ. You can't, and you shouldn't, because then you're indulging in sin. You're doing the work of the devil, and you don't want to do that. And so we understand then that your old self was spiritually circumcised, was crucified to Christ, and you were given a new self. You were given a new nature. You then are a new creature in Christ. Truths that you got to believe. It's not how you feel. Again, it's, it's by faith, believing what's true. And sometimes you feel like you're a new creature. That's true. But it says, as we read before, 2 Corinthians 5, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature Old things pass away, new things have come. And if a person says they're a Christian and there's no Christ-like life in them, then you have a good reason to doubt. And even for yourself, I mean, God wants to examine ourselves. If we are truly Christians, his spirit will work in and through us, and there will be fruit. That indeed will be what happens. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 14. Romans 
8 has so many good verses. I, I think I mentioned this before, and I can't remember the exact number, but I, I believe I was talking about the Spirit, and Galatians 5 has a lot to say about the Spirit, but it's Romans 8, 1 through, I believe, I don't know, it's 27 or 28. I think there's like 20 different mentions of the word Holy Spirit. This is a section of verses more than any other section in the Bible that talks about the Holy Spirit working in your life right here. We're not going to read it all now. You can and should sometime, but it's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, essential for every one of you. The Holy Spirit is in you, born again, born of the Spirit. It says, Spirit's with you forever. So Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verses 9 to 14. Listen carefully. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. This is practical truth for you. Living the Christian life. These verses here and really this whole section of verses, Romans, the whole chapter really, but this first half here is so critically important for you. And so these are important verses about living the Christian life. Again, you learning to say no to sin, to the deeds of the flesh, and saying yes to God, to righteousness, to living the way that God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit then want you to live. Ephesians 2, 2, 4 to 6, we mentioned before, that's the section of verse that talks about how you are not spiritually dead, but you are spiritually alive. And you now then are not just a child of God, as it says there, but you're a citizen of heaven. So again, understanding the truth and who you are and believing it no matter how you feel is critically important. One of the most important things about this time here that you have to, to realize, wow, as I said before, I, I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm a believer, not an unbeliever. I am a child of God, not a child of the devil. I'm spiritually alive. I'm not spiritually dead. These are important truths that need to be believed as Christians. So we talked about one major point today, the body of flesh being crucified, the old self being circumcised, these things here. But I want to look at another major point about this. Ephesians chapter 1, Steve read. I want to read just a couple verses there. And this will help you to see the, the centrality of, of Christ to not just your life, but to the entire world, entire cosmos. Verse 9, Ephesians 1, 9, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Key two words, in Christ. In the future, all things will be summed up in Christ. Everything. That's what's going to happen. This we'll see, particularly so in the coming kingdom age, that millennial kingdom that lasts 1,000 years. But Ephesians 1, verse 3, go back there. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. We're talking here about being in Christ. As you read the epistles, it's very, it's intriguing. It's amazing how many times you'll see that phrase, in Christ, in him. And as believers, we are in Christ. Remember that verse we read before, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. New old things have passed away, new things have come. So we understand that we are in Christ. And of course, this doesn't mean that you're in Christ spiritually speaking, physically speaking. We're talking about spiritually speaking. I was raised in a church where, you know, they said that little communion host was the body of Christ. And I can never forget, I was a little seven, eight-year-old kid. And growing up, my mind was just sort of analytical and thinking, now, wait a minute. Christ had to be really, really big because I know they got masks every morning all over the world. He must have been really, really big because it's, just, it's, not, it's not true. We're talking spiritually speaking that as believers we are in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. Verse 2 says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. This tells us the physical location of these believers. Where were these believers at, physically speaking? In Colossae. What was their spiritual location? In Christ. In Christ. That's, that's what we're reading there. Each of you are, of course, always aware of your physical location, right? You should be. We all live in the state of Florida. We are in Florida. Right? We are in this church building. If you go home, you are in your house or your apartment. If you're driving someplace, you are in a car. If you're shopping someplace, you are in a store. It's used a lot. We're talking here about being in Christ. What's most important? Your physical location or your spiritual location? The answer is obvious. It's not where you're at physically. It's where you're at spiritually that you are in Christ, unbelievers are not in Christ, but we as believers are spiritually in Christ. That's always the way it is. So this is simple application. Wherever you are at physically, remember where you are at spiritually, in Christ. Very important. You're going all different places, probably every day you're here or there, wherever, you know, you travel someplace. Wherever you are at, physically speaking, you're spiritually speaking in Christ. What else can we say about what it means to be in Christ? It means you're safe and secure. Typically speaking, if you're in a house during a storm, I say typically because you don't, you don't have some tornado coming over your place, but if you're in a house during a storm, you're safe, right? Typically speaking, if you're in a tank during a war, you're safe. You're in the tank. And if you're in Christ, you're safe. You're secure. And you are protected. Next, being in Christ means you can't get away from Christ. People talk about losing their salvation. If you're in Christ, you aren't getting away, and Christ isn't letting you get away. There's no way you can escape. He's going to keep you there. You're in Christ. This is John 10, 28, 29 type language we talked about before, where you're in the hand of Christ, and, 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 and you're also in the hand of God. You can't escape. Once you're truly saved, once you're truly saved, you're always saved. Next, being in Christ means you have all these blessings. Steve read some there and. Ephesians 1, redemption and reconciliation and forgiveness and, and eternal life. Next, being in Christ, spiritually speaking, means you have all you need. Grace and peace and love and joy and strength 
and fellowship. Everything, you know, the simplest example I thought of, I, I've mentioned, I think you probably know that our daughter, one daughter, Laura, is pregnant. So you think about this thing, and I go online, and I look, you know, okay, you know, right now, I think it's 15 weeks you go along, and it's, they got it all figured out for you. A 15-week fetus, you know, this, you know, size, and this is growing, it, it's pretty cool stuff. Well, anyway, the point here is this, a fetus is in her mother, and the mother provides that little fetus all that she needs to grow. Her granddaughter is going to be a female, we heard. All she needs to grow and be strong and then be born, right? The fetus is in the mother, in the mother. The little fetus feeds off her mother, and so too then you are to feed off Christ. Very, very simple. Only by Christ then can you spiritually grow and be and do all that God wants for you. Next, being in Christ means you're close to Christ, spiritually speaking, and he is close to you. If you're in a house with someone, you live with somebody in a place, apartment, house, whatever that, you're physically close to them, right? And hopefully you are relationally close as well. Being in Christ means you're close to him. He's spiritually close to you. Psalm 119, 151 says, you are near, O Lord. And being close to Christ is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, when we talk about being in Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit did that work. And the Holy Spirit is actually living in you as a spirit. And Christ is in you through that work. And because you're in Christ, then you can have a, a close relationship with him. And that's one of the objectives of taking this time to talk about Christ the, these weeks is, is the importance of you, of, of you, each of you, personally, personally, personally having a close relationship with Christ. Being in Christ means you have purpose. Jesus Christ has a purpose. Because you're in Christ, you have the same purpose. Pretty simple, just a few things. You are to love people. You are to share the gospel. You are to tell people the truth of God's word. You are to encourage people. You are to pray for people. You are to serve people. All these things. This is your purpose. There's more than that, but that's some of the things for you. Romans 6 says you are baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says you are baptized into the body of Christ. You understand that? body of Christ refers to what? What's the body of Christ? It's the church. You are baptized into Christ. You're baptized into the church. That's what we're saying. And so you have a relationship with Christ, and you also have a relationship with one another here with the church. And, and as a member of the church, you're to do the work of the church. And the work of the church is the work of Christ. That's what it is. So you, you realize that. i got purpose. Being in Christ, of course, means you have a future. You have hope. There's life after, after death. There's heaven. There's a glorified body. But most importantly, the future is about what? Being with Jesus Christ himself. That's what it is. That, that thought is, is mentioned many times. The one who loves you more than anyone else, the one who died for you to pay for your sins, he is one who, heaven, who can't wait to see you. He really wants to see you. And I hopefully you have this desire. If, if you don't have that desire, and I would suggest about every day of the week, I want to be in heaven so I can be with Christ, something may not be quite right in your heart. If you really want to see some other person on earth, but eh, Christ, I'll see him soon enough. It's not right. The one who loves you most, and that's part of the objective this time here, to see this one, to help you grow in this relationship with him where you can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see Christ. That song we just talked about there that I can't wait. What does it say? I can't wait to see Jesus. The Pat Terry song, 1974. I can't wait to see Jesus. That should be in our heart. Turn to John 15, 4. 
John 15. If you're thinking right, you're thinking, yep, this is that section about the vine and the branches. And I want you to see the connection here, the vine and the branches, and this subject here of being in Christ. Verses 4 to 11. 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be made full. Verses that are, again, explaining this relationship that you have with Christ, that you are in him, and what that should practically look like on a day-by-day basis. That's what we're saying. As a Christian, you're in Christ. And now we need to see that means that you are to be spiritually abiding in Christ. Abiding is another, just the word means remain, to stay. You're abiding in Christ. You're remaining in Christ. You're living in Christ. You're abiding in his love. You're depending on him. You're, you're learning from his word, and then you are carrying out the work of Christ. That's what these verses are saying. And as you abide in Christ, and as you abide in his love, as you abide in his word, then you will grow, and you will bear fruit, and you'll bring glory to God. That's a summarization here. Abiding in Christ, abiding in his love, abiding in his word. And so this is what God wants you, wants for you. He wants you to, to know about your relationship with Christ. And what's it mean to be abiding in him? What's it mean to have your old self crucified so you can now live the way that God wants you to live? Turn back to John chapter 14, verses 16 to 20. Again, as we talk about this, we, we, we can't escape, we cannot you know, disregard the importance of the Holy Spirit as, as part of this whole process of, of, of living in Christ and, and, and being and doing what he wants. But it says there in verse, verse, chapter 14, verse 16, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Verse 20, listen to this. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Oh, what does that mean? We, we can't understand all this. We really can't, but it's true. It talks about relationship, talks about unity, talks about purpose, all these things. He says, you will know that I am in my Father, She's in the Father, and you, you're in me, and I'm in you. And next week, we're going to talk about what it means for him to be in us. We've been talking about him, us being in him. But this is, this is so, so encouraging. Just a couple more verses, and we'll, we'll finish here. Romans chapter 6, 11 to 13. Romans 6, verse 11. 
says, if even so, consider yourselves dead, to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Very important. Because again, we can sin, and sometimes we can sin pretty bad and not good. Don't let it reign. Yes, you may sin, but don't let it reign. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I love that. Give yourself to God. Lord, here's my head, here's my hands, my heart, my feet. Everything here is for you. This, that song, Take My Life and Let It Be. That's what God wants. And you should say that really every day. Lord, new, new day, I give you my my whole self, everything I am, mind, soul, spirit, body, everything is for you. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses. I've been crucified with Christ, and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Talking about things that aren't so easy to understand, but we need to understand this truth. And we need to believe it, because if we don't believe it, we're not going to grow in the way that you want us to grow. We're not going to be what you, who you want us to be and live how you want us to live. But, but thank you, Lord, it's possible, because you did. We were born again. We became new creatures in Christ, and the old self is, is, has been crucified. body of flesh has been circumcised. It's, it's gone. Yes, we still can sin. There's that unredeemed humanness, but we ask you to help us. I would pray this for each and every one of us. Help us, Lord, to know practically then how to live this Christian life day by day and how to deal when that temptation comes, how to say no to it and to trust you, Lord, and how to say yes to you and your spirit. It's, it's both. It's not just saying no to sin. It's also saying yes to you. It's not just a matter of doing, not doing what's wrong, but it's doing what's right. And I ask you, God, to help us. This is the Christian life, and it's a personal thing. And we can have people pray for us, and that's good. We can encourage people. We need to do that. But when it comes down to it, it's just you and us, the Holy, me and the Holy Spirit. And so thank you again. Thank you for this church. Thank you for everyone here today, Lord, that could be with us. Thank you for those who are listening online. We do, do, do love you. We do trust you. Help us again to be in, do all that you want. And help us to be ones, as I said before, to be longing to be in heaven with you. And we know, Lord, life really isn't that long. It goes so, so fast. And then we'll be with you and in a short while for all eternity. And really, we can't wait. We can't wait to see Jesus. Thank you for this time. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.